Good morning. You look great, and uh, what a wonderful day it is and has been. It is Palm Sunday, as it's been said, and I just think of Jesus' triumphal entry, riding into Jerusalem and people declaring, Hosanna, the Son of David. What a statement. You guys, we get to serve this God who uh, loved us first and sacrificed and committed to changing our lives. And uh, I'm, I'm humbled by that and thankful. Now, next weekend is just a wonderful celebration. I want to say a couple things about Easter we uh, I'm really planning a message that is really user-friendly and helpful to people who maybe haven't journeyed in their faith or they don't know much about the Lord. I'm going to try to break it down with some props and some really ways to simply present Christ and who He is. So if you have a co-worker, a friend, a neighbor, a family member that doesn't do the church thing, but they might be open to coming with you, it would be a great weekend to invite them. So please do that with confidence. The other thing is, how many of you would be open to considering coming at 8 30 in the morning instead of 10. Let me see your hand if you would consider that. We need a few more. We're going to stay right here until we get... We just, we, I, I know for some of you... Now listen, I ask 8.30 crowd to come at 7. And so they're giving up their seat for you to come at 8.30. It would just be great if you could, or Saturday night. It would help us. We'll have room, but it's just this service gets pretty crowded. So we just really appreciate you considering it. And you know 11.30 is not going to want to come at 7 or 8.30, right? 11.30. Those people don't even know 7 o'clock happens twice in 24-hour period, right? So those of you that are early birds and could do that, we would really, really appreciate that. Um, I, uh, I want to just take about five minutes and talk about, it's just the last weekend to talk about our Windsor campaign and our going campaign. So, so please don't shut this out. I really need you to listen and, and I need your heart invested in this. I want to update you with where we are. If you're new to Timberline, this doesn't so much apply to you in terms of a faith promise or giving, but you need to know our vision. And um, for the last three weekends, and this is the fourth weekend, and this is the final weekend. So if you've waited till the last minute, you've done it. And this is the last hour. And so we need you to respond. Um, we are taking faith promises. We're trying to raise about $1.8 to $2 million for uh, the facility and the ministry because uh, we want to do it debt-free. And we're asking people to make a commitment over 24 months. And a monthly commitment. There's a faith promise card in the chair in front of you. If you haven't filled one of these out yet, would you take one of these out right now, please? And just look it over with me. There's a couple things that I just want to bring to your attention. Um, first of all, I want to thank those of you who have given, who have made a faith promise. We have 314 families who have filled out one of these cards. It equals $646,000 to date. And I'm just prayerful that we can have at least a thousand families participating in doing this. And so if you've waited, we need your help. And I, I don't apologize for it. It's a vision. It's not for me. It's not for us. It's to go. It's to take the gospel and this message. If you're part of Timberline, then I hope you will get on board and, and commit to this and, and make a difference in the world. I, uh, I was, I got a couple communication cards in the last few weeks saying I'm talking about money too much and, you know, this kind of stuff. And I just want to say, you don't have to read the Bible very long to know it talks about sacrifice, commitment, and doing this together. And we're a team. 
And we're a church that can do it. And if all of us just do a little bit. I listened to a message this week. Someone sent it to me uh, to, to say, if you think you're tough on giving, you ought to hear what Andy Stanley said. He's a pastor of a church called North Point. And this isn't an exact quote, but it's pretty close. He's, they're getting ready to do a real similar vision. They're a very large church. And he said this in a weekend service. He said, some of you have been coming for months. And this is not an exact quote, but it's the essence. And even years. You drop a 20 in the offering once in a while and think you're doing your part. Are you kidding? You don't even pay for the crackers we feed your kids. And they're really a full church. And, and, and he says this. He says, he says um, you would help us by giving up your seat, by going to another church or watching online, because we really can't afford you. He said, if you can get the vision and if you want to be a part of this, then you need to step up. You're enjoying the ministry. Commit to making a difference for the rest of the people we're trying to reach in the world. And, you know, that's a little stronger than what I would probably say. Uh, I was taken back by it, but there is a point in which you, you need to say, some of you have been around here a long time, and percentage giving, tithing, we have 40, I think it was 43 families who signed this card to say, I'll, we'll become tithers at Timberline. And this isn't for our guests today. Those of you visiting today, you knew we would talk about money, so there you go. I did. Your prophecy has come true. And there is a God. See, you know that. Um, Anyway, this isn't for our guests, and we don't talk about money very much at Timberline, but this is a huge thing, and this is your last opportunity. We're not talking about this anymore. We're going to take what comes in and do the best we can with it. But we're counting on you to be prayerful and to turn these in at the end of our service today. So God bless you. You've had time to think about it. And uh, also, finally, there's an open house going on right now at Windsor, the facility. There's an insert in your bulletin. If you want to just take that out, it kind of tells where it is. There's a map. It's bottom line, if you just go right down I-25 south till you come to Crossroads, turn left and go till it dead ends into Highway 257. The building's right there. And uh, it's uh, lemonade, some cookies and stuff out there. So maybe you could take a little drive after the service this morning and just drive out there and see the building and pray and walk through it. And Pastor Reza's headed out there right now, our campus pastor for Windsor. So uh, God bless you guys. Thank you for, for being awesome. I believe in you. I'm not afraid. Uh, we are, it's a time for us to, to be people of courage and strength. And we're going to do what God has put in our hearts to do. So God bless you in that. Um, I, today we're, we're wrapping up the series on Nehemiah. I have been so inspired by this guy. I mean, talk about a leader. Someone who basically heard his brother Hanani came to visit him. He was the cupbearer to the king. And uh, he found out that Jerusalem, where his ancestors were buried, the walls had been destroyed. The gates had been burned with fire. And um, he goes to the king and says, I really want to make a difference. I want to go rebuild those walls. And you guys, that is a big challenge. It's a big job what he was taking on. He needed allies to make it happen. And so today I want to talk to you about allies and what they are, who, who they are, and what it means to partner with people to do life with more than just yourself. If you look up, well, first of all, just a question. Could you write down the, the three names in your bulletin today. By the way, there's an outline in the back if you want to follow along. Could you write down three or four names that you would say, these people are my allies in life. They believe in me. I believe in them. And they help me to be a better person. And I help them to be a better person. That is a huge thing if you can. Because allies make us better. 
And Nehemiah could never have accomplished this challenge without the allies who came around him to help him. If you look it up in the dictionary, it'll say something like this, the word ally. A person or organization that cooperates with or helps another in a particular activity. Combine or unite a resource or commodity with another for mutual benefit. It means to side with or be supportive of. So when we become allies, it's us saying we're going to do some things together that we can't do uh, without each other. Now, number one in your outline, if you're taking notes, is this. As allies, let's learn to finish well. Let's learn to finish well. One of the things I admire about Nehemiah is that he didn't, quote, just have a dream. A dream is wonderful. They're fantastic. But there are many people who have dreams that never translate into an actual reality. And let's be, let's be challenged by Nehemiah to say, not only do I want to rebuild the walls, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to put my hands on the wall. I'm going to face criticism and opposition. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to change my lifestyle to do what God has put in my heart to do. Nehemiah chapter 7 verse 1. I love this statement. After the wall was finished. Don't you love that? It just How many of you like it when you get the laundry done? It's just a good feeling, you know, and everything's folded and put away and you go, ah, or you get your car cleaned. Or, well, this is a big project. The wall was finished and I had set up the doors and the gates. The gatekeepers, singers, and Levites were appointed. Now, I'm just going to use three verses of Nehemiah 7 today, but in that one verse, we see a concept that I want you to grasp. It's the concept that simply is this. Once they got the wall built and the gates in place, they now had a structure to release people in ministry. Why have a gatekeeper when there's no gate? Why do you need priests or Levites when there's no need? Why do you have these people, these singers that are appointed when there's nothing to appoint them to? And I've noticed and I've seen one of the great things that God does in ministry in places like Timberline and other churches across our community. As we expand, as we trust God, as you broaden your influence and God gives you favor, there's more opportunity for people to be appointed to do ministry. A missionary barista. Think of that. Who would have thought of that? And the fact that there's an opportunity, maybe you have no interest in it, but someone else will. And it opens up opportunities as we continue to do the will of God. It's important that we finish tasks that we start. It's easy to start, as I said. How many of you already mowed your lawn this spring? Oh, bless you. May God help you. Good job. I feel behind. Man, in every service, we've had people who've already um, done that. And I'm, I'm hoping my grass just won't grow this year. I'm thinking of not watering it. No, I'm kidding. I like grass, but it's just that mowing thing is interesting. My favorite part of mowing. How many of you are like really picky mowers? You get the lines exact and like crisscross. Okay, a few of you. We'll pray for you later. All right. Um, You know, my biggest moment in mowing the lawn is when I come down to the last section. And I like to leave it for the middle of the yard. And I like it when I'm mowing all around it. And there's this one long strip. And you can see it sticking up above all the other grass. And you just pray your mower's wide enough to get it all in one swoop. Right? Because you don't want to have to turn around and go that whole distance for a little inch of grass that's sticking up this high. But there's something powerful when you get that last stripe gone. And you shut down the mower and you look at it and it's cut and it smells good. And you go, I did that. 
It's just a good feeling. I'm going to go mow my lawn this afternoon. I'm getting excited about this. Sometimes we are compelled to do that or finish a task that people can see. What would it look like if you mowed your yard this year, but you always left that last strip and you never mowed it? You'd probably get a knock on your door. It would become embarrassing for the neighborhood. Why? Because it's something that can be seen. And often in our lives, and this is my point, often in our lives we work so hard at things that people can see in our image and how what we want them to believe about us. Nehemiah is a guy who finished well to the core of himself. The character and the integrity. Will I work on and will I finish things in my life that are not seen? Who are, who are you in private? Who am I in private before God? And will I finish well? The things in my life that God wants me to finish and is asking me to finish. The Apostle Paul really inspires me. I mean, he's a driven guy. But he comes to the end of his life and he says something pretty remarkable. He writes this letter to his friend Timothy. He's a young man who he's mentored and helped and coached. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, it says this. Just listen. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. Now listen to these three things. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. I have remained faithful. Can I I want to come to the end of my life and be able to say that. Now the prize awaits me. Sometimes the prize doesn't come on this earth. The prize awaits us. Why? Because we will finish well and we will be faithful all the way to the end. And there's tons of stuff that can take us out. The second thing in your outline is this. As allies, as partners in ministry, as friends, let's trust the trustworthy. How many of you know you can't just trust everybody? Because some people are not trustworthy. So, so how do we find out if, if we're trustworthy or not? Well, we start with the small things. But I want you to look at verse 2, and then I want to break this open a little bit. Verse 2 of Nehemiah 7. I gave the responsibility of governing Jerusalem. Okay, The walls are done. The gates are in place. Someone's got to lead it. To my brother Hanani. His brother was a faithful steward. He trusted him. Along with Hananiah, different person, the commander of the fortress. Notice what it says about Hananiah. For he was a faithful man who feared God more than most. A faithful man who feared God more than most. When I read those words, it kind of leaped off the page as though these are people who have been proven trustworthy. No wonder Nehemiah says, here you go. Hold the baby. You know? Um, it's a scary thing to hold a child. My One of my nieces just had a little baby boy. And, and man, it was so fun the other night. Last Saturday night, I got to go and hold the baby for the first time. And I haven't held a little baby in a while. And so it's kind of like, whoa, get some control of your head there, baby. You know. You know, what I, you know what I'm saying? It's like, whoa. So you're trying to hold the head and, and you're kind of scared and, and you kind of want to go, okay, there you go. Thank you for letting me hold. Will we be trustworthy in holding the things that God wants to have, wants to give us? Remember that game as a kid where you stand there and you fall back into someone's arms and hopefully they catch you? Um, I'm going to ask Pastor Scott and his son Tennyson to come up here for a minute. I've asked them to help me and... 
And we're just going to kind of illustrate something to, to talk a little bit about allies and how we can learn to trust each other. And, and this is Tennyson. Say hi, Tennyson. Tennyson turned seven last month. Man, you're getting big. You know that? It's pretty cool. We're proud of you. And by the way, he was baptized last night by his dad mom. So, good job. Now, now, do you think that if, if your dad turns around like this, Tennyson, why don't you stand right over here and, and kind of supervise this? Do you think that if he falls back into my arms, do you think I would... He's a big guy. Do you think I would be able to catch him? Yes. You believe I would? Yes. I like your confidence in me, buddy. So, shall we give it a try? You say go and he'll fall. No. He's pretty heavy. <laughs> we did it. How about this? How about... Do you think that, that he would catch me if I turned around and I... You think so? Okay, you say go. Thank you. That's kind of scary, isn't it, when you just drop back like that? Okay, we're going to try something else. Scott, turn around. Right about here. Yeah, I like this. This is good. Are you ready? Now, now you, uh, you believe you can catch him? You sure? Okay, we're going we're gonna to give it. How many, of you, how many of you have confidence that he can do it? How many of you are really worried that, uh, yeah. see, Tennyson is willing. Now here, I want you to get this. Tennyson is willing. He believes he can do it. Okay, you got that so far? And, and how many of you know that I maybe could help him just to guarantee this? Would you let me help you just to guarantee? That'd be good, wouldn't it? Okay, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come over here with you. We're going to do this together. You move up a little bit and you get ready to catch him. I'll let you get the most of it. All right? All right, let's try it, Pastor Scott. You got him, Tennyson. Give Tennyson a hand. He did good. I like that. You see, what that illustrates so beautifully for me is there are people who are willing to try. There are people who are willing to get under that responsibility, but maybe they haven't been trained. They have no life experience. They need growth. Tennyson someday will be able to pick up his dad if he grows and stays healthy. Do you realize that? Right now, he might not be able to do that. But as I look at Timberline, and I look at some of you, and I hear the stories, and I watch these baptisms all week long. We've had five to eight people baptized in each of our services live like that. And it's been so touching to me because I see the potential in people. But sometimes we have to be careful not to ask people to catch a load that's bigger than them. And as allies, we need to recognize that. So we come alongside. And me and and Tennyson are able to do more together. I'm able to encourage Tennyson. He felt a part of a win today because we did something together that maybe, maybe he couldn't have done by himself. See, that is a beautiful picture of Nehemiah releasing ministry as he finds trustworthy people. It's a beautiful picture in our church for us to say, We're going to hand this off to you. God's putting a ministry in your heart. You believe you can. This is what you're doing in your neighborhood. And we need to equip you and empower you. Why? Because we're all at different places. And that's why I am committed. I am committed to continue to grow as a leader. You guys, please make it your life's passion to keep growing as a follower of Christ. If you get stagnant, we cannot do the mission of God. Because if we just settle for the status quo, God's vision is bigger than what we are able to bear. 
without locking arms and becoming allies. And I'm aware of that. But here's the good news for me. When I look at you and I see your potential and I go through a weekend like this and I watch people who are praying and believing and worshiping, I just say there isn't anything we can't do. God will call us. He will equip us. But we're going to have to place the ministry in your hands. Are you going to be trustworthy when it's your turn? Will you be trustworthy? Will you be faithful as Hananiah was? Will you be able to be a commander? Will you be a faithful man or woman? Will you be a faithful teenager, a young person, a young adult who fears God and respects Him? Can God trust us in this place with ministry beyond our gifts and beyond our abilities? Only if we grow into them. Because God, and here's the final thing I want to say about this point, will never leave us or forsake us. And you can drop back into the arms of God. And for some of you today, that's the best news you're going to hear all morning. Because your weight is heavy. And your burden is great. But as you release yourself into the arms of God, guess what? He's strong enough to get you. He's dependable. He is faithful. And He wants those qualities to be growing in us. Will I be faithful with my time? Will I be faithful with my finances, my resources. I, I had a pastor friend tell me a few weeks ago, he's a, a really great guy, and he said there's this new phrase they're using in their church right now, and it's this, about money. If God can get it through you, He just might get it to you. If He can get it through you, He might get it to you. Because all of us say, oh yeah, God, if you bless me, I'll do this and this and this. Well, what are we already doing? That's what stewardship is. And, and I'll tell you, you won't do more than you're doing. And God knows your heart. Can you be trusted? Can I be trusted? Can we steward what God has us to steward? Am I going to be faithful in my relationships? Friendships. People who, who you need to step in and help, who need an ally, who need an ear, who need to talk. Will you go the extra mile? Will I be faithful in my marriage? Will I be a good steward of that relationship that God has entrusted to me with my work? Will I be on time? Will I pay attention? Will I, will I use this environment for the glory of God? Will I be faithful to the responsibilities? Will you be faithful to the responsibilities that are yours? All these things matter. Okay, number three. As allies, let's be wise about our enemy. Now, I need to talk about this today. And it's, it's a shift a little bit from allies to enemies. But, but we need to be allies to face our enemies. Now, let me read what, what Nehemiah says, and then I want to open it up a little bit and talk about it. In verse 3, it says this, Nehemiah said to them, Do not leave the gates open during the hottest part of the day. And even while the gatekeepers are on duty, have them shut and bar the doors. Why? The gatekeepers are there. Why wouldn't you just leave them open? Why is it that every group coming through the gate, you're going to find out who they are, what do you need in Jerusalem, and then you're going to open the gate and let them in? I'll tell you why. Because there were enemies who were trying to get inside the walls. And, and this became a, a huge thing. See, you have to recognize something. And there's a point I want to make in this. When Jerusalem, its walls had collapsed, the enemy had full reign to do whatever they wanted. They could come in and pillage. They had their way. There would be nothing left valuable around because they would come in and take it all. Do you realize that is the story of so many people's lives? The gates are destroyed. The walls fall down. The enemy comes in and ransacks your house, your home, your heart, your mind, your body, your spirit. And there's nothing left. You just feel empty. You feel used. You feel abused. 
and, and neglected. It's a terrible thing. Some of you, your stories are really compelling today. Because you laid open the gates, the walls fell down. But here's what happens, and some of you really need to get this. The minute you start rebuilding the walls of your life, See, when the walls are broken down, the enemy just has his way with you. Then it doesn't matter. But when you start to rebuild the walls of your life and you rebuild the gates of your life, then the enemy has to, has to view you as a, a target that he's going to have to strategize to get to. When, that's, why, that's why sometimes people are stunned when they, when they become a Christian and life gets worse instead of better. Well, they're forgiven, they're free, that part's better. But guess what? You launched a war. When you are a person of faith and you acknowledge that you're going to have the Lord as number one in your life, you have an enemy. Now, you guys, I am not a demon chaser. You know what I mean? I'm not trying. I don't I don't view everything through that filter. If I have a flat tire on my car, I don't say, well, there's a you know, there's a tire flattened demon running around. The, some watch out. The car's coming behind because this demon will get your tire. But I do believe there is such a thing as spiritual warfare. And there's an enemy who wants to take you out, especially those of you who are really seeking God right now. You're really trying. You've built the walls. You've put the gates. Nehemiah knows the enemy now is going to be strategic. And, and I, this line is just, just jumped off the page at me. Quote, Nehemiah says, Do not leave the gates open. Don't leave them open. And I see people who, they're trying to walk with God, but they just open the gate to that one flirtatious moment, to that one little greedy moment, to that one financial decision, just to that, that one little lust, pornographic moment. There's just something. I'll just try a little bit of this drug. I just, I just need a lift. I'm just tired. I just, I just need to relax. And all of a sudden, that little, that little crack in the gate is the place the enemy uses to get into the core, to get into the mind, to wreak havoc in the heart. And for some of you who have left the gate open just a little bit, I just I feel like a messenger coming to you today to say, God can help restore you, and God can help you close the gate. He can. You can trust Him with this. And Nehemiah knows there's power in you closing the gate. Jesus tells us that we have an enemy. And I don't want you to be naive to it. In John 10.10, it says, The thief's purpose, and there are three things, say them with me if you know them, to steal... To kill and what? To destroy. Now those are three big words that will leave you gone. Out of it. There's nothing left. He wants to rob you. He wants to kill you. And He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your dream. He wants to destroy your integrity. Your life. And we need allies to help us fight our enemies. And, and we'll move to the last point in just a second. But I want to ask you this question. Are you willing... Are you willing to have allies who can speak into changes that are needed in your life? Are you really? Because it's, it's a big question. Am I willing to have someone say, Northrop, your attitude isn't so great today. Because they believe in me and they care about me. Do I have those people? You see, I have some great allies in my life. My wife, Bonnie, is my greatest ally. My kids, our kids love me. They believe in me. I believe in them. Um, my siblings, my four sisters, my, my mom, my st- I have family, but I have other friends. I have Pastor Rob Coles, who has been my friend since he was in eighth grade. And I was his camp counselor. <laughs> I was probably in ninth grade. Um, <laughs> that guy 
he's an ally. I think of, of, of Foth and Lucas and this, this teaching team. And then I went to all of our pastors. It's like, man, these people believe in me. I believe in them. I, we have something special. Our deacon team, you have these years of ministry together and friendships are formulated. And I feel there's power in that. And I want you to know, I am not afraid of my allies saying, Northrop, this is what it looks like from my perspective. I want to pray for you because this is what I'm seeing. Are you willing to let someone get in your sandbox? And mess around with the things that, that you hold sacred. And it's easy to go, yeah, I'm willing. And then someone does. And we're like so defensive about it. I mean, it's like, get out of my... I'm, I'm not like that. I'm not defensive. <laughs> Number four. As allies, let's do all that we can. As allies, let's do all that we can. I just want to say, I'm not interested in doing the minimums. People who just work for a paycheck, I, I just assume they, I don't want them working here. Because there's, there's, there's a bigger reason. There's stuff to give your life to. It doesn't matter whether you like your job or not. You owe it to them to give it your all. And when it comes to the vision of God, let's give our all. Look at verse 3, the second half of it. Appoint the residents of Jerusalem. The residents. Guess who they are? <laughs> Everybody. Okay, if you live here, you're in. That's, that's the rule. Think about that. Appoint the residents of Jerusalem to act as guards. Everyone on a regular watch. Some will serve at sentry posts and some in front of their own homes. But guess what? We're all in. It's not just some. There are no observers. There's no one who can check out. There's no one who can say, well, no, I really didn't sign up for that. You know what? You live in Jerusalem, you're in. You're going to have your moment to be a guard. And there's, there's something in me today that just wants to say, the fact that you're here and you're in your journey with God and you're dreaming a dream, you're in. I deputize you in the name of Jesus to be an ambassador for the glory of God. Everywhere you go, in your workplace, in, in your home. How many of you own a business? Or you work for yourself? Gotcha. I want to say something to you. Would you really... I'm praying for you. I actually have different people that I pray for regularly. And, and one of them is business owners because they have it tough in a way and they have it great in a way. But one of the things that I want to say to our business owners this weekend is, would you really be faithful to steward the environment in which you lead in? Would you create a place of allies where there's integrity, there's character, there's, there's fairness... There's, there's the kind of environment where you know these are people who believe in you and you believe in them because they see deeper than your skin. And, and God will help you. Guess what? That will change our town over time. It will change our community over time. And if you work for someone else, man, I just want to say, be the best employee that there is. You say, well, I don't really like my boss. Well, get over it or get another job. Well, they're not, they're not a person who is of faith and they don't lead by principle. Well, help them. You walk that integrity line. You live in that character. And, and be an example. No matter where you are in the pecking order of the company, be an example. Don't let it be top down, washing you out. Everybody does it around here. Why don't you live on the high road no matter what everybody else does? That's what Nehemiah did. That's how he lived. And that's how the walls got rebuilt. You know, yesterday we had over 120 teenagers led by our youth department who did this thing called Serve Out Loud. And, and they went into our community with about 30 other adults, 150 of them, to paint fences and clean yards and do things that our community needed to have done. That changes a community. 
that changes them, but it also helps other people. There's some people today who woke up this morning saying, thank God for those young people who, who li- are living for more than themselves. Because they're doing all that they can do. We're doing all that we can do. And it's not about guilt. It's about opportunity. And when I look at the potential of Timberline and I see our, our potential, I just go, you guys, let's be allies. Let's lock arms. Let's join our, our passions. And let's ask God to show us the vision he has for us. Because it is a huge vision. And let's trust that we can fall back into the arms of this God who loves us. Would you pray with me? Wow. I love you, Lord. God, thank you for people who love you. Thank you for people who are beginning their journey. And thank you for veterans who have walked with you for a long time. Show us the power of allies today. I want to pray over some of you who right now would just say, I feel like the Spirit is putting in my heart that I've left the gate open in some areas of my life. And no one's going to be trying to second guess what it is. But you know and God knows. And I just want to have a moment where I pray for you. I won't embarrass you or ask you to stand up. But would you just acknowledge that the gate's been open, And I need, I need God to help me close that gate. Just hold up your hand and put it right back down. You don't have to leave it up. It's just you acknowledge. And you can put them down. God bless you all over this room. Thank you. Lord, these people love you. These brothers and sisters that just lifted their hands. We've all done it. We've all been there where we open the gate a little too much and the enemy comes in. And he strategically plants seeds that somehow have a harvest. And now the fruit of that is being birthed in our minds, our hearts, our lives, our bodies. And God, I just ask you to help us to be strong today to close the gates. The gates you want to close. Forgive us. Cleanse us. Be strong in us. Secondly, I want to pray for some of you who would say, I haven't been a very good finisher. You know, if you could write down two or three things that you want to finish well in your life, that sets some priorities for you. But you need help to finish some things that just aren't done. And it's not a bad thing. And don't raise your hand out of some guilt thing. It's just more, you're not done yet. You know it. And God's reminding you that, Hey, there's more to do in this. Just hold up your hand if that's you. Okay. Lord, we, we agree together as allies that you're going to be strong in these who need to finish some things. That, that they will put it on the front burner, that they will work hard to be faithful all the way till the walls are completely built and the gates are completely finished. God, thank you for that. Thirdly, I want to pray for those of you that you need to be found trustworthy. Maybe you're a new believer, you can't seem to bear the weight, or you're trying to get in ministry, you're not sure where. Maybe you're experienced, but you haven't been challenging yourself in a long time to bear the weight. And maybe there's someone who needs to fall back into your arms, and you're not sure if you can catch them. But today you're going to accept the challenge to say, I'm going to grow in Christ. I'm not going to be complacent. I really want to be a person who is found trustworthy to steward the things that I've been blessed with. Would you hold up your hand with me if that's you? God, help us to be unashamed and unafraid to bear the weight, to sign on the line, to be the people of God, to do what you're calling us to do. And I thank you for it, Lord. I trust you today. I really do. 
And I thank you for my brothers and sisters in this room. Lord, for those who don't know you personally, who might have walked in here today as a guest or just someone looking for answers, I just pray you'll be very real to them in this moment. Let them know you love them and they can fall back into your arms. If you don't know Christ, if you know you're separated from him today, you can pray this prayer with me. You will have forgiveness in your life and it will start you on a journey. Just simply pray, Lord, I come to you knowing there's sin in my life that separates me from you. I need forgiveness. And I, by faith, acknowledge you died on the cross for my sin and you rose from the dead. And I want to give you my life and my future. Thank you for loving me first, God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Guys, can we pray for Easter next weekend? We just pray that God would give us direction. Lord, we pray for those who will be sitting maybe in the seat we're in right now. And you'll touch them. We know, Lord, that we can't make anything happen spiritually. I can't say anything that wins the heart, but your spirit can move over people in ways that humanly we can never do. And we at Timberline acknowledge, God, we just acknowledge you're the God of this church. And it's through your spirit that we are able to be effective in the message and presenting the message of truth. So help us next weekend, God, to do a good job, to be good stewards of what you've put in our hand. We thank you for it. And finally, Lord, I just want to pray for the Windsor campaign as we wrap it up today. For those who have intended to but haven't filled out a card, I just pray that you'll move on their heart, that they'll respond to you, not just to me, that they'll be an ally who will join the ranks and say, I'm in, I'll be a part of this. And God, show us what it means in our future over these next years to continue to grow, to develop, so that we can harness the potential we have as a church that's bigger than us. We thank you in Christ's name. Everyone said, Amen. I love you guys. I thank God for you. I believe in you. And let's go forward. Right now, we're going to receive our regular tithe and offering. If you're a guest with us, we don't expect you to give in this offering. Just be our guest. This would be the time to drop your communication card in the offering as it goes by. And thank you for being here. This would also be the time, final chance, to turn in your faith promise card. I hope you will take a minute to fill that out and do whatever God puts in your heart with that. God, thank you so much for allies. Thank you that we can join our hearts. We can link our arms. And we can trust you for a great future. Lord, thank you for people who are fully attentive to your voice. This week, help us to be light in darkness. Help us to let love live and make a difference everywhere we go. We thank you for it in your name. Amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of our Lord. Our prayer team is coming up in both auditoriums to pray with those of you who have needs. Go by the tables and, hey, take a little drive out to Windsor and look at the campus. You'll enjoy it. God bless. Resume.